For a stretch of years between World War I and World War II, Kaufman's department store had its own welcoming center for immigrants. Kind of. This week on Venting Pittsburgh, how the foreign department aimed at fostering a cosmopolitan attitude in the city. There's Florence and London and Paris and Prague and Brussels. Lena Insana is chair of the Department of French and Italian at the University of Pittsburgh. She's reading a spread from the Kaufman Department Store's in-house magazine, The Storegram, proclaiming the 30th anniversary of the Foreign Office. They used these foreign offices as proof of the quality of their merchandise, how up-to-date that merchandise was, how um, up-to-the-minute the styles were. The inverse of Kaufman's foreign office, with its buyers in Buenos Aires and Shanghai and Bombay, was the foreign department, smack dab here at home in the middle of Pittsburgh. And in this foreign department, all of the sales clerks, uh, who were both men and women, were available to a huge range of immigrant customers. Fourteen clerks spoke just as many languages. French, Italian, Serbian, and Croatian. German, Russian, Greek, and Polish. Even Jewish is listed as a language. I love that Jewish is a language. You know, it's not a language. But was it, was it Hebrew? Was it Yiddish? Who knows? It's not entirely clear when the foreign department was started, or when it ended, or exactly where in the store it was located. But what is clear, says Insana, it was about more than just shopping. They stocked this uh, foreign department with newspapers and magazines from all of these different countries. They were intentionally trying to foster a welcoming space. They really saw this as part of their mission, as part of their duty uh, to help in the assimilation process. It was in the interest of these employers, like the Kaufman management, to try to make their department stores a welcome home to this um, potentially large consumer market. That's Elizabeth Cohen. She's professor of American studies at Harvard University and has researched consumerism in the 20th century. Kaufman's may have felt a duty to help immigrants, but Cohen says it was also good business. Buying things has long been an expression of nationalism. If you think about the, the, the very frequently used term of the American dream, we're generally talking about economic success. Imagine moving to Pittsburgh from, say, Russia in 1915. At that point, nearly 30% of the city's population is foreign-born. You walk down Smithfield Street, part of a jumble of people and languages. You're juggling questions of identity. The world is at war. Who are you loyal to? Who are you? Can you be both Russian and American? As well as practical concerns. Cohen says the question of what to buy where becomes part of settling into an identity. For many of them, acquiring material goods was a very important marker for them of becoming American and of succeeding in this new land that they had, had come to. Mary Anton was a Jewish woman who emigrated from Russia in the 1890s. She wrote in her autobiography, We Had Achieved a Carpet. That one sentence makes the process of adopting a new place just that, a process, and an experience shared by immigrants across the country. Insana says the Foreign Department exemplifies how difficult it has always been to move from one culture to another. We like to indulge in the myth that identity is uncomplicated and simple, and well, you came here to work, and you came here to find a new life, and so of course you just unproblematically became American. Insana says that's never really been the case. It's a negotiation. For 90.5, WESA celebrates Inventing Pittsburgh. I'm Margaret J. Krause. UPMC is proud to support 90.5 WESA celebrates Inventing Pittsburgh. UPMC, life-changing medicine.